Hello, hello, this is Gerald Salenti, and it's Wednesday, January 26, 2022. And ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages, how lucky you are, how lucky you are to be here today with Judge Andrew Napolitano. There's nobody, nobody, there's no judge, nobody says what Judge Napolitano says with the authority and the judicial background that he has. And we're going to be talking about some of those very important aspects today, a lot of them, and uh, on his piece that's coming out tomorrow called More Presidential Killings. I want to <clears throat> begin with one thing that there's a, a uh, trucker's convoy that's going to Ottawa, Canada, and they're going to reach there by the 29th. And it uh, looks like thousands of trucks already are lined up, and they're moving across uh, Canada. This is very important because they had a rally in New York, excuse me, in D.C. this past weekend. And RFK Jr. was one of the speakers there. And they're worthless, these kind of things. They, they happen, people go home and it's over. And only about 20,000, 30,000 people showed up out of a population of 330 million people. And having bigger protests all around the world. In France, 100,000 taking to the streets. But you can't take to the streets and go home. And if these truckers go to Ottawa, the capital, and they don't leave, and they block traffic, and they say to this little daddy's boy, this little arrogant Trudeau over there, born on third base and thought he had a home run, a little actor, a little nobody, that they, and you, we're talking about the Constitution, the Constitutions have been destroyed in all of what used to be called democracies. The way they bring this thing down is they go and they don't leave. And Judge Napolitano is going to talk more about this because it's the governed that are the ones who govern. And that's what these politicians have to get in their minds. And on another important note, there was uh, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And one of the things that he did, according to the scriptures, how could you not love a man like this? He turned water into wine. <laughs> it was the first miracle he performed to extend the party. <laughs> extend the party. And life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness isn't allowed anymore. But here we go. A team of Chinese scientists has analyzed the association between consumption of various alcoholic beverages and COVID-related risks. The researchers, blah, 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 they did four, 473,957 subjects, and they divided the group, blah, 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 goes on and on. The researchers concluded that, quote, you ready? Red wine and white wine and champagne have chances to reduce the risk of COVID-19. So there you go. I drink a least a half a bottle of red wine a day and oh. I haven't gotten COVID yet so this must work <laughs> and of course to begin the day with a nice cup of espresso. Ladies and gentlemen, Judge Andrew Napolitano. All right, I'm drinking water but I had my espresso a couple of hours ago. Uh, I think you're right, Gerald, uh, that the size of the crowds uh, protesting in the United States are so small it, it barely grabs the media attention. I mean, I saw what Bobby uh, Kennedy said, because I looked for it, but if I didn't look for it, I don't know that it would have come to me. 
you know, in the homeland of our ancestors in Rome, they have 100 to 150,000 on a regular basis and the government stops. In fact, when they have these rallies in Rome, everything stops for the time of the rally. Shopkeepers are out in front of their uh, shops. Government workers, civil service workers are out in front of their buildings. It really sends a lesson uh, to the, uh, a message to the government. I don't know what would send that kind of a message to the American government. And I'm not that familiar with the Canadian laws, but you're right, these, these truckers who are basically themselves the salt of the earth, they need to make their presence known and their anger felt in Canada. But Gerald, and you're not far from Canada in upstate New York, Canada is, uh, is becoming like, like Australia. I mean, it's, it's almost like a prison camp. The government is far worse there uh, than here. I have a Catholic priest friend who's had to throw the Canadian police out of the mass. In the middle of the mass, they came marching in to see who was wearing a mask. And he threw them out. He said, if you want to come in and worship, kneel down like everybody else. If not, get out of there. And the place applauded. This is terrible what's going on. Again, you know, it's very important. The Berlin Wall came down when the people came and they didn't leave. More people right. came and they didn't leave. Right. Remember this? Day after day, night yeah. after night, week after week, until the people outnumbered these guys dressed up in their costumes with guns, right. put down their guns, boop, and the wall came down. India. They had a farmer's protest because they were passing a bill, Modi, the dictator over there, that was going to put the small farmers out of business. They took to the streets day after day, night after night, week after week, month after month. They won. Last week, over in Serbia, Rio Tinto wanted to do a mining over there for lithium. It's very popular now with all these electric vehicles and everything. And the people didn't want their place destroyed. They protested and they didn't leave. They kept protesting, blocking streets, stopping traffic, would not stop. They threw out Rio Tinto. See, people better is... get it in their mind and it has to do with what you're writing. Because there's a line in, in your, in your, um, in, in, in your more presidential killing that about the president. And if an attack on the U.S. is imminent, the president can strike the first blow against the military of the entity whose attack is just about to occur. In other words, you attack the attacker. And that's one of the first things you learn in close combat, which, you know, I practiced many years and taught. You attack the attacker. No, you don't wait for them. They're going to hit you and then you strike back. It's too late. And that's what the people have to start doing now. They have to attack the attacker. So Judge Napolitano, more presidential killings. And this is very important because what's the major news right now? Russia's going to invade Ukraine. Russia's going to invade Ukraine. Let's have another war. Let's have another war. All right. Oh, you did a great job in Afghanistan. 
No, no, I like Iraq better. Hey, remember Vietnam? Well, you know, if we killed more than 3,000 people, we could have won over there. Hey, how about Syria? No, I like, I like Libya. And now you're going to another war again. You know, I thought, more of you, I thought of you early this morning when I heard Senator Lindsey Graham praising Joe Biden for putting troops on standby. And I thought, here we go again. Here we go again. The most bloodthirsty member, now that John McCain is gone, the most bloodthirsty member of the United States Senate. And he's basically praising the president for putting troops on standby because he wants to kill. He wants a war over an issue that is utterly and totally meaningless and irrelevant to the security of the United States of America. Perfectly said. And again, this little Lindsey Graham, all these little fat mouths, they couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag. They don't go, the senator's sons don't go. Oh, I forgot, Biden's son did go before they overthrew the government of Yanukovych to do the deal with, uh, who was it, Burisma Energy? Oh yeah, during that time, around that time. And he was brilliant in energy, knew all about it. Oh, him and John Kerry's little stepson over there, the Heinz boy. Yeah, they did this deal with Burisma Energy and made millions and millions of dollars. So what you're talking about is a CIA engineered coup in 2014 in the presidency of Barack Obama to overthrow a popularly elected and neutral government in Ukraine because the neutral government wanted to be able to trade with Europe as well as with Russia. That's right. They overthrew this government. They chased the president properly elected out of the country. They uh, installed a puppet regime and then they conducted a, a sham election in which one puppet ran against another puppet. And now they're complaining when, when, uh, when Vladimir Putin puts troops at the border. Well, this is Ron Paul's analogy. Why wouldn't he put troops at the border with all the missiles and troops that are aimed at him on the other side of the border? Suppose the Chinese put 500,000 troops on the Mexican side of the Rio Grande in outside of Texas. Wouldn't you expect the American military to be on the American side? Come on, these people have an attitude that just because America does it means it's right and moral. You know, the other thing, you know, you mentioned about people don't know this about what happened with Ukraine. Ukraine was, again, they were going broke and they needed money. They were going to either get a deal from the IMF and Russia gave them a better monetary deal. And that's when it all began. Right. They were about to sign an agreement uh, for trade with the EU and the United States. They, they arrived at the signing ceremony and the Americans said, oh no, well, you, you have to, here's a side agreement. You can't trade with Russia. We, we can't trade with uh, Russia. We can trade with whoever we want. And we're not signing this agreement. Wait a minute, we negotiated it for months. Yep. Now you're not gonna sign it. You can't trade with Russia. The Ukraines went home. Six months later, they were chased out of office. Yep. Thanks to the CIA. Yeah. So, so going so going to what you're saying, and this is what it's about, more presidential killings. Secretly and quietly, the Biden administration has continued to use the killing machine crafted by President George W. Bush, another little daddy's boy born on third base, 
expanded by President Barack Obama, the Nobel Peace of Crap Prize winner, and employed from time to time by President Donald Trump. These presidents, you write, have used drones and other unmanned missiles and projectiles to target persons in foreign countries with which the United States is not at war. Well, they do it because they can get away with it. George Bush started it. Actually, Harry Truman started it. But in the modern era, George Bush uh, started it. Barack Obama made it infinitely uh, worse. I mean, Barack Obama actually revealed all of the uh, drone strikes. There were over 1,600 of them. So thousands of people were killed. He targeted two Americans, Anwar Alaki, who was born in New Mexico, and his son, who was born uh, in Virginia. And his attorney general told him he could do it. They weren't charged with a crime. They weren't indicted with a crime. They weren't. They were in, in, engaged in peaceful activity at the time. They were never even accused of violence. Evaporated because of the words Alaka used, words that were protected by uh, the First Amendment. So this killing is totally out of hand. The reason I write about it, none of this is new. The reason I write about it is because the New York Times revealed that one of uh, Joe Biden's drones targeted a dam in Syria that killed thousands of people thousands from uh from the flooding and 50 members of Congress Gerald Democrats all some of them progressive Democrats who disagree with you and me and the people watching and listening to us now and almost anything had the courage to say hey Joe what the hell are you doing stop this killing we thought you weren't going to do this he hasn't answered their letter How could anybody think that he wouldn't do this when this guy that's been sucking off the public tit his entire life, never worked a day in his life, has promoted every war since he got into the the government when he was 30 years old? That's who he is. Yes. How could they think differently? Because... Because he knows that war is the health of the state, that war allows the government to raise taxes, that war allows a sort of rally round the flag uh, atmosphere. Not all wars. The Vietnam War destroyed the political career of Lyndon Johnson, but he thought that war was the health of the state, and he thought he could be another FDR by leading yep. the country uh, into war. Presidents like to kill, which is another point in that piece that you're kind enough uh, to mention. And the Constitution is an utter failure at restraining them, a failure. You're right. Fast forward to 9-11 era, and Bush had precedent to begin his own presidential killings of people the government wanted Americans to hate. While Congress did authorize him to use force against those who caused and aided 9-11 attacks, We all know that his thirst for Middle Eastern blood knew no regard for the Constitution. Evidence, proportionality, civilian lives, morality, or human decency. I want to make this point. You said that he had a precedent to begin his own presidential killings of people the government wanted Americans to hate, while Congress did authorize him to use force against those who caused or aided or cited 
the 9-11, aided the 9-11 attacks. Who aided the 9-11 attacks? Ah. Weren't 15 of the alleged 19 people Saudis? Very, very good friends with President Bush's father. <laughs> Probably in a financial relationship with them. So how come he didn't attack Saudi Arabia? Correct. Oh, and who was the guy? And now his little boy again. It's one big club and you ain't in it. Who was the guy, uh, Brzezinski? Under, and now his little boy is now a, a, an ambassador to, I forget where they just say, sending him. This is the guy that under Jimmy Carter brought in the Mujahideen to go into Afghanistan to fight the Russians. These are the people that supported the Mujahideen or that now George W. Bush wanted to go get, right? right, am, I, right. am I wrong on that? No, you're exactly correct. It's one war, one catastrophic um, uh, foreign affairs decision feeding another. And the key is presidential killing. Presidential killing. And you go on to say, after all, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Its language is clear that only Congress writes laws and declares wars, and presidents can only kill troops in wartime or civilian con civilians consistent with due process. And it's all gone. Look, the Fifth Amendment prohibits the government from taking life, liberty, and property from any person without due process of law. It's not just American person, it's any person. And the only recognized exception to that is a legitimate, lawful, congressionally declared war where you're trying to take the life of the troops of the other side that are killing or attempting to kill your troops. Uh, an American and his son sitting in an outdoor cafe in Yemen, a country with which we are not at war and people not engaged in violence, do not qualify for presidential killing. Destroying a dam and, and drowning tens of thousands does not qualify for presidential killing. Droning a car with 10 children in it does not qualify for presidential killing. Why are only the Democrats complaining about this? And it's not just Democrats. It's the most left, the most progressive. I hate the way they use that word, but they've co-opted it. The most Bernie Sanders-like of the Democrats are the ones that are complaining. My hat is off to them. But where are the Republicans? Where is everybody else in Congress that knows that the president is exceeding his power? If the president can kill on a whim, then nobody's life, liberty, or property is secure. Obama was quoted in the book Double Down, quote, I'm really good at killing people. He did say that. Yes. You write like here, but again, and this is a very important, ultimately, we have ourselves to blame for these killings. Why do we repose the Constitution for safekeeping into the hands of those who subvert it? If a future president uses Bush's lust and Obama's logic and Biden's stealth to kill Americans in America, no one's life, liberty, or property will be secure. Gerald, we've been warning about this stuff until we're blue in the face. And it's just going to keep going on unless Congress does something about it or the people put in the White House somebody who won't do it. But you're talking about a, a Ron Paul type of, or Thomas yeah. Massey 
uh, type of person who recognizes that war is the last resort, not the first resort, and that killing can only be done consistent with the Constitution. Think about this. It's all war talk now, and as a cover of the Trends Journal magazine this week, it's when all else fails, they take you to war. People right. forget that the Great Depression, what, what followed it, World War II, of course. what followed the dot-com bust, you know, the Afghan War, 9-11, People, we were in a severe recession. People hated George W., little Georgie Bush. And then 9-11 happens, the Afghan war, everybody forgot about it. And now you're watching the equity markets tanking. And it's, it's four weeks in a row, they're going down negative. And now it was constant talk about Russia, Russia, Russia. And so again, when we're talking about this, where are the people, where are the religions where, where are the Catholics, where are the Jews, where are the Muslims, where are the Buddhists, where are the anybodies of the 300 religions? How come they're not coming out and calling for peace? I don't, hear, I don't hear a peep from the priests. I don't hear a peep from the Pope. I don't hear a peep from any of them saying, no, stop this. Stop this. Yeah, good not point, a, Gerald. Not a word. Yeah, good, good point. I don't know that their words... Uh, would deter the lust for blood in, in the American presidency, but it would certainly give a lot of uh, people pause to rethink who they voted for. Again, that's why I started the Universal Church of Freedom, Peace, and Justice. Freedom, Peace, and Justice is taken away from us, and here's a man that said it would happen, and exactly what's happening now. President Dwight D. Eisenhower, five-star general, supreme commander of the Allied forces, and two-term Republican president. Quote, this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. This is his farewell address on January 17, 1961. The total influence economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state, house, every office of federal government. We recognize the imperative needs for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications, our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. Couldn't have said it better. That, that's the same speech in which he, in another phrase, warned about the dangers of the military-industrial complex, a guy who, who spent most of his life in the military-industrial complex now calling it out. And, and Gerald, things are infinitely worse than they today than they were in 1961 infinitely worse if he were back here today i don't think just like if madison were here today wouldn't recognize the country i don't think eisenhower would recognize the federal government if he were back here today no no and our ancestors our parents may they rest in peace they'd be rolling in they probably rolling in their graves to see what's going on now another right. quote from eisenhower about the military industrial complex he goes on to say you know that um you're talking about sending troops and Lindsey Graham applauding it. Disarmament 
with mutual honor and confidence is a continuing imperative. Together we must learn how to compose differences, not with arms, but with intellect and decent purpose. Not with arms, but with intellect. Intellect? Look at the stupid people that we have that are running the show. Intellect? <laughs> oh, every week we go through this, Gerald, and every week uh, the issue is basically uh, the same. Uh, does the government work for us or do we work for the government? Does the Constitution really work? Are, are our rights, as Jefferson called them, truly inalienable or are they subject to the whims of bureaucrats? Again, we're doing all we can and everybody listening, we're fighting for freedom. And again, there's no one like Judge Napolitano. There's no authority here with judicial background that he has to discuss these facts that are hard facts and real about what this country was built on and what's happened to it, where it's going. And again, it's not only happening here. There are very similar constitutional rights in other countries that are robbing people of their freedoms. Name I them. Think, I right? think the truckers will find that out when they reach Ottawa. That's right. And that's what we need to do. We have to protest for peace in honor of the Prince of Peace. Thank you so much, Judge Napolitano, for being here. And we'll see you next week. All the best, Gerald. Thank you.